most unmistakable voices in British jazz to the podcast. Hello, Joe Harrop. How are you? Hello, Anna. That was a nice introduction. I'm good, thank you. Yes, sun is shining. It's all good. Yeah, the sun is shining non-stop at the moment. This is great. With the odd mad rainstorm that just comes in out of the blue. Have you had, did you get the storm yesterday that they were yeah. saying? I, you know what? I was on the motorway on the way home from Nottingham and all of a sudden the cars were just absolutely, they were driving through a river. It was quite crazy. Mm. We didn't get much here, but I had a gig in Guildford, which was meant to be outside and it ended up being in because people, but people had brought picnics and everything and... Oh, shame. Yeah, we had to go inside because it was just chucking it down. Very, very they have indoor picnics. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. the sound's nicer inside, though. It was in a beautiful gallery in the end. We were playing in this gallery full of beautiful paintings of women, and uh, it couldn't have been a more beautiful setting for it. Um, but we wanted the sunshine, really. Mm. <laughs> so, how has your summer been going so far? Um, it's been going well. I, I feel like I haven't really um, been able to sit and experience a sunny day yet. It's been so busy. So it, that's a good sign, isn't it? <laughs> um, when your feet don't touch the floor. I was um, up and down the country since May between Newcastle and Chester and Nottingham and East Anglia and um, London and the South Coast and everything. So I've kind of just been all over the place, which I enjoy very, very much, actually, even though it feels exhausting. I absolutely love going and playing for new places and meeting new people mm. and do you travel by car what do you what's your chosen travel method if I have a choice I really like the trains when they work because mm. I find that quite peaceful and you can kind of just settle into your chair and listen to music or do a bit of work and it's kind of you, you don't have to deal do the whole airport thing um but I don't mind driving as well I sometimes drive myself around and then I put my music on and I just sing. So I'm one of those people who people probably drive past and I look like I'm shouting, being really crazy, but I'm probably just singing along to Aretha Franklin or something like that, Sarah Vaughan. <laughs> so I stay in a car. Yeah. And if you're on the train, do you still listen to music or what do you, what's your, what do you do? To oh, I do. Yeah. I just always have my headphones in. I'm constantly, um, I've got playlists on and probably learning songs for, a gig or trying to figure out what I want to record or something like that. Sometimes I'm scribbling down lyrics or something like that as well. Yeah. Mm. I sometimes travel uh, in the, well, I generally go by car because I've got so much stuff. I can't manage it on a train. Of course. The the joy of being a singer and just having to carry around a little microphone. I do. <laughs> no, I do. I've got an AR amp, which I love. Um, which when I travel into London, it's in a little suitcase and I just pull it around. It's sometimes a bit of a pain in rush hour, but um, it's it's kind of, yeah, it's portable. But yeah, when you've got loads of gear, I can imagine you need a car mm. to, get, to get everywhere. Yeah. And sometimes my boyfriend comes with me. So that's when we get to see each other. We get to catch up in the car. That's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I understand that. <laughs> In the night. <laughs> so uh, you were up at Peggy's Skylight this weekend, weren't you? That's right. We did Father's Day up at Peggy's yesterday, last night, um, on Sunday. So it was, um, I love that place. It's so nice. You've played there a few times, haven't you? Mm. Yeah. It's a really special 
venue I think just the atmosphere in there people who come along and the staff and everything but you get the sounds lovely and then they record it for you and everything it's a great place really really lovely and who are you playing with Paul Edis we just did a duet um so we we've got our couple of albums that we've worked on together um so we do uh half well no more than half probably about 75 percent original material um that we've written together and written with other people and, and we perform and then a few jazz standards as well that, that seem to fit into the set um yeah um but it's really I really love just playing as a duo you've got a lot of space to be creative and it, it always feels really um comfortable for me I think to to perform with either just a piano or just a guitar mm. And how do you choose the standards then? To go with the, the with the originals, you mean? Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've got my favourite standards that I really want to do. But for instance, Paul and I recorded an album that was based upon um, the seasons when when winter turns to spring. So there's so many jazz standards that um, that tie in with that theme, with the weather or the seasons. Um, and so they, that was kind of an easy one, really, to pick standards. So we've got a song called If Ever I Would Leave You, which is a Frederick Lowe song from Camelot, which talks about if you were going to leave somebody, which season would it be in? And then you couldn't you couldn't leave them in each season because there's something great about them all through the year. It's a beautiful song. Um, and and then there's other standards that that just seem to fit because my music's jazzy, but it's also kind of coming crossing, crossing into more modern style as well. So songs from people like Henry Mancini and Michelle Legrand seem to fit quite well because it was kind of like the later end of the jazz standards book. Um, so we do things like Charade, um, Once Upon a Summertime, uh, You Must Believe in Spring, another seasonal song. Um, and they seem to fit. And also there's a modern song by McCoy Tyner, You Taught My Heart to Sing, which seems to fit with my songs as well. It just got a bit more of a modern sound. Um, so, yeah, I, I I listen a lot through um, through the albums and and I, I'm careful about what I put in the set, really. Hmm. So it fits together. So it makes sense. And do you do you find that some standards you perhaps kind of used to love maybe five or more years ago, you kind of go off them and then you could kind of revisit them and rekindle that love. How how does that feel? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we all do that, don't we? You know, when you find a song and you love it to death and then you play it on every single gig with every single band <laughs> in every single like tempo, and you're like, actually, I'm just going to put this one to rest for a little while. I can't deal with this anymore. But then if you come back to it, Years later, I'm sure there's something. Oh, there was an old song that I used to sing more than you know. It's a very, very old Vincent Newman song. And I remember playing it one day with a guitar player and going, why do I never do this anymore? And we ended up recording it on the album. And yeah, there's definitely a lot of songs like that. But I'm sure that happens to everybody. Mm. It's got a common thing. Yeah, it's, it's like hey, you have a favourite record and you play it over and over and over again. And then suddenly you're like, right. Yeah, that's else. Oh, yeah, all the time. But it's good. But you have to do that to learn the songs as well, don't you? I think mm. kind of that, like, you learn through repetition. Because I, I think because I was never, um, oh, I never did like a, went to music school or, or had a traditional 
um, music education, that that's how I've had to learn is just to listen, 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 till it's, I can't listen anymore. And then it's in there. And mm-hmm. I very rarely forget songs once I've learned them. I can't remember anything else in life but the songs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a handy, handy thing to be able to do, considering that's what you need to do. (laughs) (laughs) It is, but it's kind of frustrating when you walk all the way to the shop and then you're like, what did I come here for? (laughs) (laughs) So I was going to ask, how did you get into being a jazz artist? So you you didn't go to music college, you say. How did that all come about? How did you end up where you are now? Uh, well, I always wanted to sing. I always had music in my head, but I don't come from a musical family at all. I mean, they, they were music lovers, but they were, nobody played an instrument or sang or anything like that. So, so I don't know exactly where it came from, this passion to, to want to sing, but I always used to sing when I was a kid. And I think I used to drive my mum mad. I remember sitting in the car and just singing. She said, can you not have a conversation one day? <laughs> um, and I used to sit and when I was supposed to study, have my stereo on and just learn like learn songs off the radio or whatever or my cds uh, so i always wanted to do it but i was told no a lot there was not in the northeast there wasn't like really it was it was thought of as a hobby really i think there were certain people who were um even piano lessons and such but um i was taking dancing instead i think it was a cheaper option and also just told yeah yeah you can sing it's a it's a hobby it's not a career but I was determined and I moved um, out of the Northeast when I was 18 and came down to London and just got a job in a bar and then answered adverts to an audition for girl bands and anything that remotely seemed to be to do with singing. Um, some quite funny situations, <laughs> which I should, you know, think, what, what are you doing? But eventually I found a manager and a little record Um company who gave me like a production deal and I worked with them and she also gave me some backing singing work and I started to meet musicians um and when I met musicians they would sometimes say come to our gigs and then there'd be jazz gigs and I'd be like oh I love that music and so I just kind of gradually got into it that way and started to do function bands and pub gigs and things like that so mixture of soul stuff and standards I guess um and I stopped for a while and I had my kids and it wasn't until somebody's singer got sick that about six years ago, they said, oh, you're still singing? And I said, yeah. And I went and filled in for a singer at the Spice of Life and we got a nice little review and I was like, oh. And then he asked me to do more and we ended up doing this Peggy Lee show around the country, which um, kind of got the ball rolling. So all it's all a bit of a weird hodgepodge of how I got here. But that was, that was in a nutshell, that's basically how I ended up... Um, getting onto the jazz circuit and started to sing all of the jazz songs in the jazz clubs. Um, and then during lockdown, went back to the songwriting, which I'd started with. Mm. So now I'm a bit of a mixture of everything. <laughs> and how do you go about writing music and also maybe also finding or creating the space to do that because we're all so busy do you have to dedicate like a specific amount of weeks or something to it? How does that work? Well, I think with songwriting, it's hard because I'll say, right, I'm planning the direct. I've got Monday free. I'm going to sit and do some songwriting. But if you're not in that space, in that headspace, you can't, I, I can't just sit and just go, right, I'm just going to write some lyrics today. Just sometimes write rubbish 
or there'll be another day or just put, or constantly putting stuff in my notes on my phone or writing it in the back of my diary or something just little song titles and I'll come back to it and then when I am feeling a bit inspired I'll sit down and and start writing stuff out and I, honestly there's no real process for me sometimes it flows out and other times it takes I have to just keep coming back to it um and because I don't play an instrument I send it off to Paul or I go into the studio with Hannah or somebody uh, Hannah Versant um who's another songwriting partner of mine and we get together and we either work it out or I'll send the lyrics over to Paul who will send the music back to me he's really good at interpreting what I've written and putting music behind it um you know Elton John and Bernie Taupin type of vibes yeah <laughs> um and sometimes it comes out really quickly and other times it just takes weeks to to kind of finish the, the song off. So there's no real formula for me, but I do quite like to write the lyrics and send them over to Paul because I, I, I kind of like that process. So, you know, when you, you know, when you songwrite sometimes, I don't know if you write lyrics as well or you when you in the songwriting process and you can sometimes sit in a room and you just come out with nothing and it's the most frustrating day anyway and you just say I can't that's it I can't that's it I can't song right I'm, I'm terrible or there'll be another day and you'll go in and it'll just kind of flow and it just comes out so naturally so it's a, it's a strange one to explain really I think I'm a mixture of both of those things if that makes sense yeah so you so you tend to go lyrics first and then the sometimes 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 people have sent me music and I've written the lyrics to their music, which I find a little bit more daunting in a way because you're working on their on their music. But yeah, I've done it both ways around, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah. Sometimes the music will give you some kind of idea for the, the lyric or they'll maybe send the music with a song title, um, and which gives you a good starting point, really. That's helpful, actually. Mm, that's what I did with my album I Ian said he'd like to write some lyrics so I wrote the piece and the and the melody and it had a title and then I sent it to him and then he he said that's how he really likes to work I was like great (laughs) Uh, yeah no that that is I think it's really useful if you've got a direction so you can go okay I mean I yeah I just I I wrote with a recently wrote with a a French guitar player friend of mine who was over here for a little while and he'd written this beautiful piece of music. It's actually quite Legrand sounding. Um, and he said it's it, it's called The Path of a Tear. Well, he said it in French, but he said that's The Path of a Tear. And and that flowed out because I thought, oh, that's that's lovely. And it just, the music sounded like that as well. So um, yeah, I think that's a really probably an easier way to work if you have that idea is already there then it starts the, the juices flowing mm. do you have a favorite key to sing in b flat f i don't know it depends i think ballads i i know i, I do i have a lot of b flats depends what the song is though f's kind of nice. or a flat it's quite nice and deep i think my voice is getting deeper mm-hmm. the wine and the cigars and the whiskey <laughs> I, I don't know who I was chatting to the other day. I can't think who it was in a club. And we were saying nearly all jazz tunes, even if they're major, tend to be flats, not sharps. So sadder. Yeah. Melancholic. Mm. Somebody told me when we were writing a song recently that, what did we write it in? D flat was a defiant key. 
Do you like yeah. deep? <laughs> Defiant key. Well, I'm a woodwind player, so I'd probably turn it into C sharp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found that quite interesting when he said, because it was a, quite a, like a, you know, um, a song about not anger, but just about being strong, you know. So I think I'll put this in D flat because apparently that's a defiant key. So I'll send it to you and see what you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be well interested. I do find those sorts of things quite interesting. And also it's it's very um it's nice to know that you you have like a list of titles. And then you might come back to it and then inspire you. I, I've got a a note on my phone of titles from years, and some of them I think, oh, what did I write that for? Yeah. Oh, definitely. If you go back and look through, if I go back and look through books, because I've got loads of books of, of like notebooks that I've written lyrics in, and some of them are so cringy. It's awful. <laughs> I think we're so sad. Just so sad, some of them, especially like the teenage ones. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, oh, what's happening? <laughs> it's good to get therapy. That's what Hannah Vasanth and I do we have therapy sessions and then we end up coming out with a with a song at the end of it I was going to say it is like that though isn't it because if you are an artist that writes their own music it is a kind of working therapy and then everybody knows what's going on in your head after yes sometimes it's probably best to say that you were writing it about your friend's brother's sister Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. Yeah, but I think they're the best songs. I definitely find that um, people, when they come up and they've liked a song that I've written and they, they say, oh, that really connected with me, they're usually the ones that I've written that are real, that are really real. Mm. So you're writing about human emotion, because we all, we all feel the same about things at the end of the day. We all have pretty similar experiences at one time or another. Um, and so I think sometimes people do connect with, with that emotion that real stuff that you write about I suppose um yeah but it is like pouring your heart out for the world to see <laughs> and have you got another album on the way I'm writing I've got new songs that I've started to um play out live some of them um and they're with a view to to recording them um on a new album so hopefully that's not too far away so I'm just trying to be a little bit slower with it but I'm I've got a collection of songs so I'm carrying on writing because I could do with a few more and then and then seeing if there's some interesting covers that would maybe fit in the album as well because I always think it's quite nice to do that to find an already written song whether it's something rare or something you can turn into something different to put on the album as well but we're I'm on the well on the way to recording another a new album I love it I love the process of of recording and finding the songs and writing the songs and recording them and working them and I feel quite sad when it's all ready to go and send out to the world because it's I like the process mm. yeah I think it's a nice creative the pro creative process is probably the best part of, of making the album and then I can never listen to it ever again <laughs> why is that, like that? I don't know I just listen to it a lot until you know that you're ready to, that it's ready to go you know up to right up to the mastering 
point and then when it's there on the cd i can't listen to it again i don't know i feel like too ah I've, that's me <laughs> sometimes at hamster jazz club they'll play my albums in the background in between the sets i have to get them to turn it off i, can't, I just can't sit there and th- listen to myself it must be like that when actors make movies and they have to go and watch themselves maybe yeah. they like it. do you not get do you get that if you after you've made the album and it's out there yeah you, you i think you become super critical of what you do what you've done what's yeah. you know, on the disc yeah definitely and recorded them in lockdown we didn't have any gigs so couldn't go out and play them to anybody nobody had heard them and we hadn't practiced them we didn't really like know what this sounded like live you know when you play live you kind of live in a song for a little while it, then you get to know it and you get to really kind of play it sing it um properly you know like we, we because you, you're much more familiar with it. So obviously the album couldn't be recorded like like that. So I'd love to go back and record it. Now that I've toured it and played it for the past couple of years, I'd like to to go and revisit and re- re-record it again because I think I'd sing it much better now. Mm. I feel the same. Uh, we recorded my last album in lockdown and some of the tunes we only played in the rehearsal and then in the studio. Yeah, it's weird mm. because you... It is a very different experience playing live to recording in the studio because you don't have all of the atmosphere and and the people and the adrenaline, basically. So I think some of my favourite albums that I listen to, some some of them are live, actually, because it captures the spirit of jazz, where it's it's quite hard to get that when you're all sectioned off in booths and stuff in a studio, isn't it? Oh, you've just and you know that they've pressed the button. It's like, right, you've got you can't make a mistake. Whereas when you're in a live show, it doesn't, you don't have that same pressure. You just, you just, it's different, isn't it? So I think, yeah, that's, it's hard to record live jazz and make it sound as you would when you're out in front of an audience and and you've got that adrenaline going. Yeah. Have you done a live album? No, I've recorded a couple of shows that we've videoed um, for YouTube and things like that, um, which... Yeah, I don't think they were good enough quality to put onto an album yet. I think they're, they're probably good for YouTube um, and social media and stuff like that. But yeah, I would, I would really love to record a live album. Have you? I've got one coming out. Oh, amazing. <laughs> no one where knows did, actually yet. Where did you um, record it? Pizza. Ah, oh, great. And uh, it was part of the album. It was like the last, it was basically the last show of the album earlier this year. And... Uh, it was just the band just were on fire they just played amazing the guys and I thought oh let's listen to it back and actually we did some tracks that uh, we'd never rehearsed other than you know in the studio and they've changed so much uh, and we had we did some other tunes so I'm thinking of it's being mixed at the moment and I think probably oh, we'll, we'll do that yeah. oh that's great did you tell so you didn't tell the guys that you were recording it no I, I didn't know we were going to use it I just Oh, that's best, because if they knew, they might have played differently, thinking, oh, I can't mess this up. Mm. It's quite good that they that they didn't know. And me, I didn't know either, so... Oh, you didn't just... know either? Oh, that's even, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just, we, just, we just took it out of, you know, just they said we could take out the desk, took out the desk, and I listened back, and I was like, wow, we've got to use this. Yeah, that's good. That's mm. good. Especially if you get a good mix of it as well. Um, Yeah, oh, wonderful. We'll look forward to hearing that one. 
Yeah, it's it's weird because you know some of the originals that were on the last album are going to be on this, and they just sound so different. Like you say, you know, you've toured, you've toured them, you've played them. The energy is different. Yeah, there's um, that's that's jazz, though, isn't it? Things you never really play the same thing twice, and it has it does take on a like a life of its of its own. So it's quite interesting, really, to have a live version of the album. I think we will eventually do a live recording. I'd really like to. Mm. You, because for the past, well, 2022, 21, 20 and 19, you've had an album a year, Joe. I was like, my God. <laughs> and gosh, the pressure. I have to do another one next year. <laughs> well, I think you need a rest. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't, well, I don't, I won't be releasing one this year, um, but possibly next year. Mm. There's no rush, is there? No. I'd rather do. I'd rather take my time and and have something that's um, that I really am proud of, rather than just churning them out. Mm. And of course, the most recent one is up for the parliamentary jazz nomination. Yeah, both yeah. Of, both of us are in. I've uh, got two nominations this year. It's uh, congratulations to you and to you. Yeah, you. So you're up for uh, album of the year and jazz vocalist. That's right. That's Amazing. right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, I mean, totally crazy, the vocalist one, but I really am so um, thrilled about the, the album because I get to share it with Paul, who I've been working with for, for a few years now and um, and all of the people who were on the record and, and made it happen as well. You know, that's really um, it's super nice to be able to say to them, like, whoa, look what we've achieved. So, but yeah, I mean, it's a bit nuts with the vocal thing. There's so many good singers in this country. <laughs> but hey, thank you. <laughs> you definitely deserve to be on that list. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, are you going to the party? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <What a> party. <laughs> this, is, these are, this is my first time of nominations, whereas you're, you've had quite a few years, haven't you? Oh, no, only last year. Oh, I thought it was even yeah. more than that. No, um, twenty twenty two, uh, same categories. Um, so, um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't win, but it was, I was shocked when I was nominated because I just never expected in my life that I would be nominated for jazz awards, <laughs> with the background that I've had and everything, you know. But um, yeah, I was, was blown away by that. It was a, it was a, it was so good to be there, and because obviously you know most of the people who are there as well, and it's so nice to be able to celebrate everybody. Um. You know, and, and Tony Tony Coffey was there and he had his kids with him. Um yeah. and he won. It was so lovely. <laughs> it was his son's eighteenth birthday that day, right, wasn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So see so you're um nominated for newcomer and the um uh, education award, right? Education for J Steps, yeah, which not many people know about J Steps. So I'm really pleased for them that they've had um do you know about J Steps? No. So J Steps is is a group I formed um just after lockdown. That's oh, for eighteen year old and under girl and non binaries to come and have a safe space to learn jazz, improvise, and just be really. And uh, oh, they're do they're doing great. We've got I actually got two bass players. Oh wow, that's good. Yeah, drummer, uh, pianist. Then we've got trumpets, saxophones, clarinets, flute. Um, 
they're brilliant they're a great great bunch and and also they're so lovely to each other and really supportive that's great oh lovely how sorry when did you form that that was just just after lockdown okay it's a new thing all right yeah it's a very new thing um i went to junior Guildhall on saturdays and i used to do the jazz workshop there and i never really felt that comfortable and confident um so I wanted to create something so that they had a space to. That's really good. I know. Yeah, that's great. Cause I've heard, I've heard stories about, you know, uh, females at, at the colleges that are, that, you know, that, that were given a slight hard time and it's good that, that they feel like they've got this kind of safe space that they can create in that they don't feel dominated or whatever. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes you know, one of them comes and they're just having a bad day and we all sort it out. You know, oh, this... amazing. Therapy, <laughs> jazz therapy. It's only it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. They're a very special group and uh and I love spending time with them. So I write some music for them, we do arrangements and yeah, they're a good bunch. Oh, well, I really hope that you guys win. Yeah. Well, it's good that they've just been recognized. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Well, so tell me about your record label and how you ended up being on Lateralize. How does that work? Um, Lateralize is a very small um, record label, um, just very, very small. Uh, and it's attached to the Hampstead Jazz Club, um, which you've played at, um, um, which is also small. <laughs> so, um, and the, and the Mayank Patel, who's my manager, he owns the, the jazz club and the label. Uh, and I think I was playing down there when just after he'd taken it over, it might have been 2019. And I did a couple of gigs down there and and he just talked to me um, about what I was up to. And I said, well, I'm just starting out, really. You know, like I've just been doing it a couple of years. And I, he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd love to record and I'd love to um to tour and, and do festivals and things like that. And he said, well, you know, how are you going to do it? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't have the connections. I don't really have the money. I don't really know where to start, but uh, you know, I, I've got some great musicians that I'm working with and, and I want to start writing songs again. And he said, okay, well, you know, how about we have a meeting and come up with a, with a plan. And if you like the plan, then we'll go forward. And if you're not bothered, it's no problem. So I thought, um, you know, okay, let's have this meeting. And and he said a lovely thing to me. He said, I, I don't think you realize that no, you know that you the how good you are. And I said, Wow, you know, it kind of blew me away that a stranger I didn't know had said something like that to me. And I he kind of gave me a little bit of belief that maybe if I took a chance, things would um would happen and and they did. And then we got locked down, but he still made things happen. <laughs> so we've been um we released my uh, Weather in the Storm, which was the duets album. And then he supported me in writing the, he said, you know, that might be the lockdown, but you're going to sit and you're going to write all your songs for this next album. And sure enough, that's what happened. Um, and he's a man of his word. Everything he said that he would do, he's done. And we've been going over to America a little bit as well and showcasing over there to try and work with some American producers and musicians. Um, and he's working really hard um, and supporting me a lot. Uh, and I never had that kind of support in my life. So it was, um, it's been amazing for me. Um, I don't think I'd have achieved any of the past couple of years had I not um, signed with them. Um, 
so it's been really lovely it's like a little family now um and yeah so hopefully we keep going forward and and making records and uh and hopefully I'll do him proud <laughs> for taking that chance on me <laughs> I think you already have made him proud I'm sure <laughs> well <laughs> I hope so yeah definitely and how does it feel with the whole social media thing that you have to keep going with that who do they does the management do that or do you have to do that part of it I I do my own social media but with I had guidance um because I was always very much uh, like I hated it I have I don't hate it as much now I just see it as part of the business and something that you've got to do but especially like the talking videos and stuff like that I was like I can't do I'm not doing that I can't do that and I'm like you have to do it because people need to see you and you need to be seen and this is how it works so <laughs> um I had a strong talking to and then I've been just a lot more playful with it now and just trying to see it as a bit of a little fun thing to do and that people do what see what people like to interact with but yeah I guess you just got to use social media to your advantage and not let it be the devil because I think it can turn some people um a little bit um it can play with your emotions and play, I think, with people's minds in as much as if you start comparing yourself to others from going on the social media. Why aren't I doing that? Or how come that's, you know, I think you've just got to, you've got to see it as something that you're, as use, a useful tool, post what you've got to do, try and be positive, try and support other people and then put it down and hope that it's working for you in terms of getting the message out there about your gigs and your albums and your recordings. I hated social media when I started doing it and it really did affect me. And then after maybe three or four months, I grew a thicker skin. It takes a while. It's horrible. Yeah. Well, I know. I mean, I don't like totally told, do not boast, do not brag. You can't be self-promoting. It's like you told the complete opposite. And so to try and suddenly uh here I am look at me uh come and see my gigs uh you know like this is what I've been up to you know it it was very very hard very it was so unnatural for me to do it but I think you do get used to it and it does just start to have to become part of the of the job so to speak I think there are some musicians who never use it and they seem to get by all right but they're maybe not fronting bands they're maybe not um you know promoting the gigs maybe the side people or whatever but I think if we didn't do it we possibly wouldn't get booked for things we wouldn't be seen by people you wouldn't you know you wouldn't get by because it's it's the go-to um thing to promote isn't it? it's the instagrams your number one kind of people are on it all the time yeah um so I mean give me a record shop uh with a record shop in-store gig and a sign-in with people with paper flyers outside. Oh, it's not good for the trees, is it? But any that give me that any day of the week over having to do the whole social media thing and having to think about algorithms and blah-de-blah. Mm, mm. <laughs> I'd much rather just be in a record shop. But unfortunately, it's um, you, we can't because it's they barely exist anymore. So, 
you're very good though you do do the talking ones I just hate that and I think I look really stupid and the few I've done have had no interaction so I'm like great my lot don't like it <laughs> oh no I just did one today for um just to get people to um give me ideas for, for for covers it was an idea that my manager came up with um I know people do that but I put just put a big pair of sunglasses on <laughs> so I was like <laughs> can't be bothered to put any makeup on today and <laughs> I just put the shades on and sat in the garden and did it but I had, I have to do I do them about like 20 times before <laughs> so I was yeah stumble on my words but I think you should do them you've got I think you should do them I think people will like it okay I'll try it I'll have to <laughs> set it into my never-ending schedule <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when you're not on having to do the social media, not gigging and not writing. How do you relax, Joe? Oh, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't think I do. I don't do, um, oh, I go, I go to the gym. I love to go to the gym. Um, I love running. That really helps me relax. If I go for a run or I go and do a, a good workout. I'm, I'm like, that really helps to keep my mind really focused and, if you mean proper, proper relaxing, like not moving around, then I love reading. Um, I'm into um, Murakami or Murakami, uh, the Japanese writer. I love his books and um, and biographies and things like that. I love to read. Um, I don't really take holidays because I like to travel when I'm working. But um, how else do I relax? Around animals. I don't have any dogs at the minute. I used to have three beautiful rescue huskies mm. and they all passed away of old age around during the lockdown time. Um, and I've just been too busy to to have another animal um, and give it my time. But I miss having my dogs because that would be my, I would walk them for miles and miles and miles and I'd run with them as well. I used to tie them when they were younger. I used to have them on a belt, on a bungee lead around my waist and run around the park with attached to these three wolves and people just thought I was crackers, but that was, I love that so much. Mm. So nature, I love being out and walking in nature. That helps me relax as well. Yeah. How about you? I am a bit like you. I like to be moving. So I, um, I ride my bike a lot. Nice. I go out cycling on the road and um, I do yoga. Lovely. I need to get into yoga. I really do. I have tried it. Yeah, I do hardcore yoga, so it's pretty intense. Oh, um, is it the hot yoga? Yeah. But uh, if I, because I can't really, I don't really like to relax. I need to do, but constant movement does help my mind stop and I think of other things and, you know, inspiration and different things. So riding and, uh, and yoga. You've got nice roads up there where you are, haven't you? Mm, yeah. Kind of empty, not like in London. I wouldn't dare cycle in London. Yeah, exactly. Until then, I see them on bikes through central London. Mm. Especially when they do the hired bikes and they don't have helmets. Yeah. That's mad. It is mad. I did that in Paris. (laughs) (laughs) I was going around the Arc de Triomphe with no hat on, like, hey, look at me. On the other side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good fun. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to be out on the bike and um, I listen to a podcast or something and off I go yeah that's yeah I know exercising it's good it's uh as much for the mind as for the body I'd say yeah 
hundred percent. Definitely. So we're coming towards the end of our chat, but I have two Hannah questions for you. Um, but before we say we, I do the questions, we should mention your next gig coming up, which is at the 606. That's right. On the 16th, Sunday, the 16th of July, 606 in Chelsea. So it's a wonderful place to play, as you know. Yeah. Uh, always got a beautiful atmosphere and um, it's legendary. It's been there for 45 years or something, hasn't it? It's great. It's a great place. And you're playing with Tony Kofi and... Andy Davies is going to be on trumpet and Tony Kofi. So those two work together quite a lot. They're really good fun. And um, Sam Watts will be on piano and Nick Errol on double bass. And I think Pete Hill on the drums. He still hasn't confirmed. (laughs) 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 Pending. Yeah, nice. And then... It feels as though we know each other, but we don't really. And then you're coming up to gig with me soon. I am. I'm yeah. so excited. Um, um, so tell me more about this brand new venture of yours, of the the Jazz Alley Cat. Yes, jazz. the Swinging Cat. Swinging Cat. It. Sorry. Why yeah. are we the Jazz Alley Cat? Where have I got that from? I don't know, but it was so hard choosing a name anyway it was had so many different names before i came up with this one but <laughs> there's a local arts center to me in haverhill and i used to do the odd jazz night there and then it's under new management and they said right let's get this going let's give you a club you can name it so i was like right oh, amazing and you've got um, cats you're a cat person i am a cat person yeah so the swinging cat was we came up with that so uh we have it's kind of like an old-fashioned thing where we have a house band and then we have an amazing guest. So you're going to be our amazing guest in September. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. So Natalie Williams was opened your show, didn't she? She opened the first one. Yeah, Natalie Williams opened. Then we've got Ray Gelato on the 24th of June. Then there's a bit of a break. And then you kick us off in September. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be lovely. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's a lovely venue. And it's actually the old town hall. And it was left um by the by this man i can't remember his name um to be a place that showed the local residents um kind of creativity and the arts so it has to be used for that purpose from from then oh, onwards that's amazing mm. it's safe don't yeah. get turned into a block of flats that's nope. good <laughs> and it's even got the old lights in it still that that sort of hang from the ceiling and and they do sway slightly it's just just a very special... oh gorgeous I saw a few clips actually it looked really great on online um yeah and the and the audiences if they've been responsive have you got managed to get in um nice audiences quite quite easy we had a lovely for the it's, to be honest it's a hard slog I am not enjoying the promoting uh, aspect of it but we sold out for the for the first one um. And we had a mixture of ages. So I think the youngest was probably about 12, uh, which is really special. And there were some families and you don't often get that in jazz. So that meant a lot. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we'll promote September loads. We have to do talking videos, Hannah. Okay. You can teach you how to do it. (laughs) I I say through gritted teeth. (laughs) (laughs) If that works, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> well you say it does i should should take a leaf out of your book you, you're very good at it joe oh thank you well i had to really 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 fight myself on that one but mm. yeah. well done just have the faith in yourself <laughs> yeah right i'm going to ask you my two hannah questions okay so the first one is 
What would your desert island disc be and why? Oh my goodness. This. Okay, I'm going to choose one because I have to, I can only choose one, but you know how it is. There's a list. (laughs) (laughs) So I have been listening to on repeat for the last week. Sarah Vaughan, how long has this been going on with Oscar Peterson and Joe Pass? And so that has been my record of choice this past week. So I'm going to go with that because it's got a beautiful selection of songs on and they're so swinging and she sings Midnight Sun, Your Blase, Easy Living, World on a String. Oh, it's just delicious. It's divine. And it's obviously got gorgeous arrangements and Oscar and, and Joe Pass. Oh, it's so beautiful. And Ray Brown's on it as well. Mm. check that out everybody okay last question what is your favorite time signature oh my goodness (sighs) favorite time signature (laughs) i love the ballads though it's okay they could be in three or four ballads all right then okay i'm just singing three or in four well, I'm just thinking of Once Upon a Summertime because it's in three, four, but I'm not. No, I'm going to say I'm going to say in four. So I just, awesome. yeah. And, I, and I'm going to say I like to do things slightly out of time. And, you know, I just love a really lush ballad, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going nice. to go straight ahead in four, four, straight ahead. <laughs> Quite a lot of these, the vocalists that I speak to love Common Time four, four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. There's something really um beautiful about um I think I'm more interested in tempo as well in a way. You know, have that real um dead slow tempo that Shirley Horn delivers a ballad in. Mm. I love that. It's like very daring. You just hang in there. Yeah. It's nice. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this late summer's evening. Um, it's been great chatting to you. It was lovely to talk to you as well. And we'll meet each other in the flesh, hopefully, one of these days. Well, maybe at the awards. Yeah, indeed. Yes, I forgot about that. That's yeah. only time. Yeah. Thank you very much, Joe. Have a good evening. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast for women in jazz media. We have a great back catalogue of podcasts with amazing women, including Claire Martin, OBE, Tatiana Gorolovsky, Esther Bennett, and many more. Please do check them out, and I'll see you at the next one. Bye.